watts per kilo, like as soon as you learn about watts per kilo, you're like, okay, well, if I lose weight, my watts per kilo goes up. And it can be very easy to fall into this trap of trying to lose too much weight. I would just caution caution this person to not go overboard with the weight loss side of the watts per kilo equation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast, Power by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Sabin, and today we're answering some listener questions on cramping and electrolyte replacement and estimating one's potential for fitness improvements throughout a season. Today's show is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. If you want to make your training and race day nutrition simple and reliable, head over to flowformulas.com today and use the discount code IgnitionPodcast10 for 10% off your first order on all their different nutrition blends. As always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. And send any questions you have for the show to info@ignitioncoachco.com with email title the Matchbox Podcast. You can also fill out a new listener question form on our website ignitioncoachco.com. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so this first question that we are going to cover today is somewhat relevant because Dylan and I just got back from Sea Otter and experienced this exact topic. So this one comes from Ronald and he's asking about cramping. So he says, hi, I'm an ignition athlete, and I haven't yet asked this question to my coach. Forgive me, Robert. So Coach hmm. Coach Robert Stroka. Wait, what's the guy's name? Through. This is Ronald. Hmm. Um, so he says, from listening to episode 19, RE Cramping, you guys put into words a theoretical feeling I had around cramps and cramp prevention. Getting fitter is the easier part, meaning getting out there and putting in the work. As I'm getting fitter, I'm noticing not cramping from fatigue, I rarely cramp from an electrolyte deficiency. However, I'm wondering if I'm taking in too many per ride. Also, I've heard of people only drinking electrolyte drinks for their entire ride. However, I drink mostly water and drink a quarter bottle of electrolyte drink mix every half hour for recommended serving. So he's drinking Mm -hmm. like half a bottle of drink mix per hour. Uh, For location context, I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Also, I ride ride mountain bikes. Um, For example, this is what I do. Two-hour ride, he does... Uh, double the recommended electrolyte in a small bottle and a large bottle of water. So he's like diluting that electrolyte mm. bottle with his with yep. his big bottle of water um, or equivalent in, in a hydration pack three hour. Then he adds sport legs and a third bottle for four hours. Same as above, but he takes a second dose of sport legs at hour two and he'll stop for more water in his hydration pack. Is- um, is sport legs just a bunch of electrolytes? I haven't, I've not, I haven't looked at, at what that actually is. I've seen it on the shelf at a bike shop, but I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, sort of. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like a concentrated mixture of, of electrolytes. And I think there's something else in it too. I, I don't know if it's like a, if there's like some sodium bicarb in there or something. I got to pull up the, okay. I'll have to pull the spec sheet there. Um, but basically he says like, this is pretty much, this pretty much ensures that I don't cramp from electrolyte deficiency, but am I taking in too much? Thanks, Ronald. So it sounds like he's still experiencing cramping, but he's trying to mitigate the, the cramping effect from, uh, electrolyte deficiency by doing the above. Mm-hmm. So he wants to know, like, is, is he taking in too many electrolytes and like, you know, what else, you know, could he do to avoid the cramping? Cool. Okay. Well, I will say that the this whole idea that cramping is caused by electrolyte deficiency is a little bit dubious at this point. I would say, you know, it's not definitive science, but the research seems to be pointing in the direction that for the vast majority of cases, 
cramping is not caused by electrolyte deficiency. It's caused by you pushing your body harder than it's used to being pushed, which is a lot of the reason why, uh, you know, uh, some people, they cramp every single race. I know people like this and there's a, there's a big genetic component to cramping. Um, I, I believe they've actually isolated the genes that are responsible for it. Uh, I would have to go back to my research that I did on my video for cramping to double check on that. But, um, for people who cramp infrequently, a lot of times it's like the first race or the second race of the season that they cramp because it's been so long since they put themselves you know, in the, since they've gone that hard and cramping is kind of a way of your body telling you, Hey, stop doing this. Like, why are you, why are you going this hard? Stop doing it. <laughs> right. Um, so the, I, I think that the answer that we gave on the last podcast and the answer that I gave in my last video is, uh, to prevent cramping is probably the answer that people don't want to hear, but it's that, not cramping has more to do with how fit you are and not how much electrolytes you're taking. Um, that being said, that doesn't mean that it's not important to take in electrolytes. It is, uh, but it's for hydration. And if you really want to um, get precise with the amount of electrolytes that you should be taking in, uh, it's probably worth doing um, some sort of sweat test uh, and they have these available at labs. And then I also have, I plan on using this when it gets hotter, but I actually got one of these, um, these like sweat patches that you can actually just use when you ride. And it's supposed to do the same thing where, um, where it's kind of telling, it's telling you how much electrolytes you're losing in your sweat, because the amount of electrolytes you're losing in your sweat is very individual. Some people are very salty sweaters. Some people are not very salty sweaters. And it can give you a better idea of, okay, do I really need a cram in the electrolytes? Because some people do because they are very salty sweaters. And then some people don't need to do that. And you can take in too much electrolytes. And the way you know that you're taking in too much electrolytes is you start having uh, GI issues just from the amount of sodium in there that in your gut that doesn't need to be there. Do you yeah. only use the word dubious? Is that a, is that a common <laughs> is that a common word in your in your vocabulary? You know, I used uh, the other day. I used the word dubious for something else too. Dubious. That's a new <laughs> one. I can't say I've ever used that word in a sentence. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little dubious as to what it means. I don't so, even know. Okay, well, let's get off this dubious train. So, so I, I pulled up, I pulled up the information on sport legs. Adam, I, I feel like your mic might be off. Yeah, really? I think so. But we can still hear you. It's just not that, you know, crisp. Adam, we're right, used hold, to hearing. Hold on. Okay, all right, we're back. Got the microphone hooked up this time. So, so do you want me to read that again? What sports legs is, or did you? Get yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Read it, read it again, so that it's just crisp okay. on the mic when you read it. All right, so sports legs is simply premium natural source European lactate compounds of calcium and magnesium plus vitamin D inside a color-free vegetable capsule. It's 87% lactate, your muscle's preferred natural fuel. There's no stimulants, pain relievers, sodium, dairy, gluten, GMOs, or calories. Uh, you don't need to preload with this. You can just take it 30 minutes before exercise or 30 minutes before you want the effects to set in. Um, and then they give you a recommended dosage based on body weight. Okay. You know, I wonder, I wonder about lactate. Like, do we really need to consume lactate? Because 
like the whole thing with lactate is that it increases to such a point to where then we end up with too much of it in our system. So like, why do we need to, why do we need to supplement it if our body creates plenty of it? Like, isn't that correlated with the harder you go, the more lactate you have? So why would I put Mm -hmm. more, if my body's already overproducing lactate, why am I putting more in, into it? Does that make sense? Yeah, I would well, have to so, so, do more research on that. But So I think that sort of makes sense when you're going at an effort that would be like above, you know, above call it, it lactate, lactate, you know, lactate yeah, yeah. turn so, your lactic right. threshold. But yeah. before then, like, you know, taking in the lactate serves as a fuel. Like your body uses mm-hmm. that lactate that you're producing as fuel. It just can't process the, the lactate that it's producing faster than, than uh, it is producing it. And that's, that's where you get the lactate buildup. So yeah. I'm guessing with this, like you would want to take it at a point in which prior to you get that okay. excessive lactate buildup. So endurance. I, I, so I, I don't know whether consuming lactate is beneficial or not. I, I need to do the research on that. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm sure yeah. there, why don't you make a video about that, but I'm sure there, I'm sure there is research on it, but I have not looked Jeez. at it. Um, so I can't say, I can't say conclusively whether that's beneficial or not, to be honest with you. What I will say about what you just read off is that I didn't hear sodium in there and sodium is, is your primary concern when we're talking about, you know, electrolyte replacement. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and really, you know, people say electrolyte replacement, but what they should, it's, it's sodium that matters. Um, so just to clarify, so calcium and magnesium are electrolytes. They're just not the primary electrolyte mm -hmm. that's lost during, during exercise. So, so this the sport legs thing it may or may not be beneficial i don't know i I need to look in it look into it to be honest to tell you but it's not it's not helping with your uh with your sodium needs which is fine i mean you can get it sounds like you're already getting sodium from others other sources um so it may not it may not be a problem but just know that that's not that's not contributing to your sodium needs that you have on the bike Um, when I think of, we've already touched on this, but when I think of cramping, I think of fatigue, like the, the more fatigued you are, the likelihood of cramping increases as fatigue or as, yeah, as fatigue increases. So anything you can do to mitigate fatigue, I think Mm -hmm. is going to decrease your chances of cramping. And something that we haven't talked about is carb intake. You know, he's talking about all this electrolyte mix that he's taking. Usually what I'll do for a hard race, I know this is kind of different than what he's talking about is I'll preload with electrolytes and then focus on carbs on the bike because I think I think that's the best strategy as far as mitigating for well, slowing I, down. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any I don't think there's anything wrong with having electrolytes on the bike with your carbs either. In fact, that's what I would recommend. Um, but yeah, no, that is a great point about taking in carbs too. And I, I assume that he's taking in carbs, but it's just a good thing to point out. Yeah. So what do you, what do you guys do? You know, like, so, so he's, it sounds like he's more concerned about like some longer efforts. You know, he talks about his, his fueling strategy for two hours, three hours, four hours. Um, Do you guys typically just take in drink mix bottles or do you also supplement with water? Like just pure water? Um, It, it's, I almost always, it's almost always just drink mix. Uh, there are a few times in a race where I'm craving just plain water, which is probably another indication that um, 
either the concentration of the drink mix is too high or maybe you're actually taking in too much electrolytes if you feel like you need plain water. Um, so, so essentially what he's doing is he's just, he, he's double concentrating one bottle and he's got a plain bottle of water in the other bottle. Correct. Instead of having both just normally concentrated. Yep. Um, I don't necessarily see an issue with that as long as he's taking in both kind of at the same rate and not taking in, you know, one (laughs) way more than the other. Um, I don't think that's necessarily an issue. Um, as long as you're like slowly sipping on both, it's probably roughly the same thing, but I, I've gotten to the point where every bit of fluid that I'm taking in during a race is usually drink mix. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm the same. The, The only time that I'll like, I'll never start a race with water for the most part, unless it's like a, you know, 30 minute short track or something. But, um, you know, assuming that's not the case, like I never start the race with water, but I will usually have like water as an option in in my feed zone for mm-hmm. like like you said Dylan like if you're just craving water you need some water or if it's like super hot out and you you need a water bottle just to like spray you off or something like that like that's when I'll take take like a water hand up or something but I'll usually try and like take that in like in addition to it uh another drink mix bottle um but yeah I'm the same I I for the most part don't don't ever just have a pure water bottle how about you yeah. Drew uh, for long rides, if, if, uh, I've been doing this where if I only have like one gas station, I know I can stop at, I'll do mix in bottles and I'll wear a hydration pack with water in it. And I'll use that water as like, yeah, like what he's kind of doing as like throughout the ride, I'm sipping on the water, but my main thing are two bottles with drink mix. And then when I get to the gas station halfway, buy some more yeah. carbs or whatever to put in the bottles. Sure. Well, training is different. When I'm training, there are a lot of times where I've got plain water in my bottle. But during racing, I you know I almost never do plain water. Yeah, yeah. I don't ever plain water. Yeah, always in a race, it's always it's always. Why well, take in water when well, you could take in water with carbs? That's mm-hmm. true. Why would you? Yeah. Do that? So in, in kind of to go back to yeah to go back to his his like you know formula here. Um, basically, what you know like Dylan, what you were saying with the sport legs is I wouldn't count that as like your electrolyte replacement. You know, you know, count that as whatever you need if, you know, if that's maybe contributing to cramp reduction in some way, but, but I wouldn't consider that to be part of your electrolyte, uh, plan. Um, yeah. you know, so make, make sure you're not, you're not decreasing your electrolyte intake because of that sport legs and in, intake that should be in addition to your standard electrolyte replacement plan. Yeah. If there's I not, do. so if there's not sodium in it, which I didn't, there's not, I mean, there's I, just, it's just calcium okay. and, and magnesium, which cool. you do I lose do. a little bit of calcium and magnesium as electrolytes in sweat, but not in super high concentrations like it's sodium. It, yeah i mean the the electrolyte that you need to be concerned with when exercising is sodium by far um mm-hmm. so yeah i do yeah, say it, uh I, I will say that the the roadhouse team is sponsored by a, like a lab that does all those testing vq labs and uh so all the guys on the team except for me got sweat tested back in january i i hadn't been training so i was like oh, i don't want to do a power test or anything so I sat out and watched, but all those guys, I've heard them talking about their sweat numbers for, uh, mm-hmm. like all season. Like they're like, so it is, I mean, I think it is helpful to go do one of those tests <clears throat> and figure out what your sweat rate is, uh, so that you can actually like put some, put some numbers on. Yeah. It seems yeah. a little weird to do that in January. Yeah. So here's the thing is that you're, as you heat acclimate, 
um, heat ac- part of heat acclimation is that you become a less salty sweater. So if you're not heat acclimated, you're going to excrete more salt in your sweat. And as you become more heat acclimated, so you're saying you if you do a sweat salt. test in January versus June, it's going to be different. Very likely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, unless you've been like training on the trainer all winter with like your fan off or something. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's exactly how I train. <laughs> I'm a hard one. I train with no fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, like basically what, like what Dylan's saying. So you, I think what you said is sort of right. So it's not necessarily that you, you sweat less sodium or less, you know, you lose less electrolytes. It's that you lose more fluids. So, so your, your sodium concentration sodium. decreases. That's like, you know, part of the process. Um, and usually you'll sweat, you'll start sweating earlier into an effort once you're heat acclimated. Like that's part of the acclimation process too. Um, so yeah, I mean it, like it would be, it'd be wise for them to like go back and retest again, like, you know, another time or two this season, then you can kind of get a, a sweat profile throughout the, the season and you can like mm. formulate your nutrition based off that. That's even better. A sweat profile. Wow. it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, like guys in the tour, they have it dialed to where like they'll they're they're changing their electrolyte intake as the tour progresses, even because they're like adapting so quick over those three weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, so I dialed mean, that that yeah, I mean, every single milligram of of you know electrolyte or sodium that they're putting in their drink mix is calculated. Right. It's it's uh, it's. It can be hard to calculate because there's a lot of factors here. It's not it's not like one one uh, um, you know sodium concentration will work for everyone, and it's not like one sodium concentration will work even for one person for different uh, you know different environmental conditions or different times of year or different you know heat acclimation states. Uh, you know you got to take into account heat, humidity, heat ac- how heat acclimated you are all of this stuff, it, it, it can actually be quite complicated to calculate. Mm-hmm. So cool. Well, should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. So this next one is on FTP estimates. And this one comes from uh, Isa Joseph. He says, hi guys, I recently set my season goals. And one of my goals was to get my FTP from 220 Watts to 300 Watts. My Whoa. question is this, is it a realistic goal and how much can an athlete su- sustainably raise their FTP from season to season? Some background information. I started training last year and experimented with a lot of different training methodologies. This resulted in me burning out at least three times last year, and it gave me a decent understanding of what my body can handle. Last year, the highest I got to was 260 watts at 66 kilograms. I did my first test this year in January and hit 220 watts at 67 kilograms. kilograms. (laughs) And fast forward to... The beginning of base three, where I now sit at 260 watts and 64 kilograms, is 300 watts still realistic for this season? All right. So did did this person test at the beginning of the season? So they ended at 260, but did yeah, they so, have a test from the beginning? So last year, they, they, they don't say what their – they just talk about their highest uh, mm-hmm. FTP last year, which was 260. They tested at the beginning of this season, so like before they started base training, mm-hmm. and hit 220. But now okay. after two um, base periods, they're at 260 again. So they're kind of back at where they left off last year. Gotcha. 
He's also lost two kilograms since last year. So yeah, you know, five yeah. pounds, which is so the the watts per kilo. The, so the watts per kilo is higher, even though the the watts isn't higher. Um, that yeah. does if he's trying to hit three hundred, losing weight isn't helping. It's not, yeah, it's not necessarily Correct. helpful. But um, all right, so it's hard to it's hard to say if we don't. So it would be easier for me to give an estimate if. So for example, let's say this person when they were completely untrained. They did a power test and they did, I don't know, 180 watts, right? And then they were able to get to 260 in one season, which that sounds like a massive jump. But if you're completely untrained, uh, that's that's within reason to jump that. That would be and an I, 80 that watt sounds jump. Probably like it'd be pretty close. Like assuming mm-hmm. like the fact that he he dropped back down to 220 over the off season tells me like you know at the beginning of his training last yeah. year he was probably well below that. So that, that can right. be pretty accurate. So I, I'm just for example's sake, let's say he started at 180. He was able to get all the way to 260 in his first season of real training, which which is within reason. Um, then so that would be an 80 watt jump. And so the thing about get, yeah, about, you know, getting fitter is that it it it's you you continuously get less and less fit for more and more <laughs> work, which I guess it might be depressing for some people, but it's just the reality. So, you know, if you look at it like a, a curve, it's kind of like the curve is flattening out as you approach your genetic ceiling. There's that that genetic right. ceiling term that we like to use so much on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But you're so been, the amount man, of I've been hitting my head on the genetic ceiling <laughs> for years. <laughs> right. So you're so for example, Drew, you're on the flat part of the curve, right? Like you Dead may be flat. able to get it a little bit higher, but like you're very much on the flat part of the curve. I just right needed now. to be like two more higher so I can say I'm stronger than you. <laughs> that's all I that's all I need. That's all I want. Come on, genetic uh-huh. ceiling. Be with me on this. Yeah. Um, so, the, I mean, the good news is that if you've only been riding for a year, you're not you're not to the flat part of the curve yet. You're still on the steep part of the curve, but it's getting flatter. So, if for example, if you were able to bump, <laughs> if you were able to, <laughs> that's what you just did. <laughs> it's getting flatter, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a cliff. Um, so if you were able to gain 80 Watts last year, you're not going to gain 80 Watts again, but if you're trying to get to 300, uh, I mean, that's a 40 Watts. That's a, that's a 40 Watt jump over 260. I, I mean, I would say that's reasonable. Yeah, but he started at 220, so it would be at 80. No, but we're to, Mm, that's no, no, but that's 220 is an untrained state for him because it was after the off season. We're talking about how much can he gain over his, you know, peak fitness level. Right. And his his peak fitness level from last year is 260. And he's at 260. He's already now, at so. that in middle of Bithynia. So I would say that th- now we don't know what his starting point is because he didn't give that information. Uh if his if he if he started at 220 last year and then he got to 260 then I then I'd be like, oh, well, you gained forty watts last year. I don't know if forty watts is reasonable again this year, right? You see what I'm saying? It's going to be less this year. Uh, so, kind of depends on that starting point. I would I would, but given where you're at and how it's your only your second year of training, um, I don't think you know. I, I I think that is reasonable. Now, granted, there's a lot of factors that go into this. Um, a huge one is genetics and 
there's been research that has been done where they give everybody the same, they give a group of people and, you know, this group is untrained. They give a group of people all the same training. Everybody does the exact same training. And then there's a bell curve to how much they improve. So some people improve a lot, like they may gain a hundred Watts to their FTP. Uh, and then in the middle of the bell curve, you know, people probably gain 50 Watts and then all the way on the, the, the low end, there are people that barely gain any fitness at all. Um, you're not in that part of the bell curve because you've already done a year of training and you've seen good fitness gains. So that's not where you're at, but, um, it's just something to keep in mind. Hey, there's only one way to find out, buddy. Keep training hard <laughs> and let, and let us know. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the most common questions we get, you know, and I think we've talked about this plenty before, but yeah, you know, everyone's always concerned about how much FTP they can raise in, in a given season. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's just, it's so hard to, to know and, and estimate even after yeah. you've got years of coaching experience and, and training experience. But, um, yeah. all you can do is, is keep on the path and, and keep, you know, keep your training stimulus in the right, right areas and, and hope for the best really. I will say that this this listener gave us some of the right details that we need in order to actually answer mm-hmm. this question. Because if you just come out of nowhere and say, "How much can I raise my FTP?" Um, it's like I, you know, I need so much information to answer that question. The main information yeah. that you need is what is your training history? Like, are you already super well trained, or are you a beginner? Right. So he he gave us that information. And then if you can give us information about how much you improved in your first year and now it's your second year or your third year or whatever, and how much can you improve now? That is very helpful information for giving an estimate about how much you can still improve. Yeah. Yeah. And one more thing to keep in mind here, too. And and Drew, you kind of alluded to this when when I was reading the question. But, um, you know, your overall weight does play a factor as well. So like he talks about how at the end of last season, he was 260 FTP at 66 kilos. Um, now he's down to 64 kilos. Well, dude, you just bought yourself like six more watts. Like you could you could get the same watts per kilo if you only hit 294 watts. So, um, you know, you have to keep that in mind too. Like if, if your goal is to hit 300 watts at 64 kilos, maybe that's going to, at some point you're going to just, you're going to kind of run out of gas. Um, but allow yourself to like, Make sure that you're you're fueling your your workouts, you know, on the bike and after the bike, um, mm-hmm. super well. You know, you want to be recovering really well. And if you end up gaining that, you know, one or two kilos back, but you gain 15 watts in the process, then you know, not only is your watts per kilo going up, but you're also your your raw power is going up too. Um, you know, so it's not always about being super lean. You know, if you can gain some more watts uh, at a little bit, uh, you know, bigger muscle mass, then sometimes that's worth it too. That's yeah. what I've been trying to do because big boys hit big watts. <laughs> Have you gained weight? <laughs> no, man. I'm trying to, though. It's hard. It's really right. hard. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think that – so I, I, I've seen a lot of watts per kilo. Like as soon as you learn about watts per kilo, you're like, okay, well, if I lose weight, my watts per kilo goes up. And it can be very easy to fall into this trap of – trying to lose too much weight. Um, and at, and I don't know what your body fat percentage is and I don't know how tall you are. Uh, but he does 64, say that he rides a small bike, I think. Okay. Anyway, 64 kilos right. is already light. Yeah. Um, very light. now depends on what your body fat percentage is, uh, which I think is the more relevant question there when you're trying to decide whether or not you need to lose weight. But, um, I would just caution 
caution this person to not go overboard with the weight loss side of the watts per kilo equation. And if he's trying to hit 300 watts, like as a raw number, it would be better for him to gain weight. Because like yeah, I said, big it was. But I mean, it depends. It depends on is, you know, maybe th- hitting 300 watts is a performance goal, but his actual goal is performing well at a race with a lot of climbing. Like we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I weighed myself this morning for the first time and I actually lost weight since last time, which is not the right, that's not the right direction. How much did you weigh, man? 150. 153. I'm All trying right. to get up to like 160. I was up to like that's 156. But <laughs> I mean, that's like a lot. I'm back. Like seven, seven now pounds. I'm, I mean, it is man. Seven pounds of, I, and obviously I'm assuming you're wanting to gain muscle not fat Yeah, i want my body fat to stay the same yeah no uh, of course everybody who who's trying to gain weight is trying to do that um (laughs) taking the creatine yeah although kyle uh perry one of our coaches we can on our like on our ride from our house to athens twilight this is like perfect timing like what a good team leader he's riding behind me he's like man i'm not gonna lie your legs look a little bigger this year and i was like (laughs) that's exactly what i want to hear before the first crit Nice. Well, I rode with I rode with you in Tennessee, and they looked about the same, to be honest. So yeah, I think they look <laughs> the same too. It's like I'm trying to. That, do all that this was pre beast beast mode gains supplementation. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When when Flo did that flavor on April 1st, and I'm very aware of April Fool's Day, I legit thought it. I thought it was legit. I'm like, I'm gonna order. Some. Yeah. I know. Lot. I I bet I bet they'd sell. I bet that'd be the next big flavor over the vegan cyclist. Like they need I, to come out with it. I had a I I should talk to them about actually making that a real flavor. But it I, should be a real flavor for their recovery mix because their recovery mm-hmm. mix could use a little work. They only have vanilla and chocolate. If they came out with some yeah. crazy thing like that, I bet all kinds of people would buy that recovery mix. Yeah, I agree. I so. I got a ton of people DMing me like, oh man, this should be, this, you know, I know it's April 1st, saying exactly what you said. Like, yeah, I know it should be a real thing. April 1st, but this should be a real flavor. I, I should talk to them about making you it a real flavor. You should absolutely talk to them about it. All right. And if you'd like to buy some flow between now and when that comes out, Adam, hit us with that promo code. <laughs> Ignition Podcast 10 for 10% off your next order. There we go. Flow Formulas, official sponsor of the Matchbox podcast. Are are they our only sponsor? Official only sponsor. All right. (laughs) No, Ignition Coach Co. is the title sponsor. Yeah. Okay, should we shut this down before we ramble on for way too much more time? Uh, Sure. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. Or another question? No, that was good. We covered plenty. (laughs) All right, cool. See you guys. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email title, the Matchbox podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch y'all soon. Let's go. never driven a rally car before, but I'd imagine there are a lot of similarities between racing rally cars and racing bikes. Both involve speed, skill, and suspense. But one big difference is the navigator. 
The navigator's job is to communicate with the driver what turns are coming up, the severity of those turns, and any obstacles to look out for on course. With the help of the navigator, the driver goes faster. As athletes, we too need a navigator. This is where the coach comes into the picture. Like the navigator, the coach helps guide the athlete along the right path. When it's all said and done, the coach helps the athlete go faster. To take the analogy one step further, I'd bet the best navigators are those who used to drive themselves. Because of their own experience behind the wheel, they're better equipped to help the driver. This is what Ignition Coach Co. is all about. All of our coaches are elite level racers, and that makes them better coaches. They know how to train, how to prep, how to win, how to lose, and how to stay focused through it all because they are in the midst of that pursuit right now. Here at Ignition Coach Co., we believe that coaching and racing go hand in hand, and it's our goal to fuse those two things together. We'd love to connect you with one of our coaches. Sign up for a free consultation today. Ignition Coach Co., developing coaches, connecting athletes.